All right, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9. Um, the timing of this message is absolutely perfect to what we went through on Sunday night and to what we're uh, experiencing in our day. And uh, I believe it, it was, it's been a huge blessing to me just looking at it uh, this past week. Um, 1 Samuel 9 is starting into God's choosing of a king. We saw Israel reject a divine king, and now we're seeing God, even in the rejection of himself, always choosing best for his people, Israel. Always choosing what is right, always choosing what is best for Israel. Uh, and here uh, we see really the beginning story of how we're, we're introduced to this man, Saul. And we often think of Saul as who? I mean, when, when I say the word Saul, who do you think of? Okay, so Paul, okay, in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, when you think of King Saul, what situation normally always comes to mind? Rebellion. Anything else? Jealousy. What else do we characterize? Tried to murder someone, right? He, 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 we think about him throwing a javelin at David. We think about him as the man who was too afraid to go out and fight Goliath. We think about him gathering an entire army and going down to, to uh, throughout several lands to hunt down David and kill him and take his life. And we wonder, why did God ever choose this man in the first place? Was this really who Saul was? Was this the man that God chose? God did not make a mistake in choosing King Saul. Did you know that? In fact, God proved his will to Samuel and set up undeniably divine circumstances to prove to Samuel this was the guy. This was the, this was the best for Israel. So let's start reading in verse 1 of chapter 9 here. It says, Now there was a, a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Ephiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. So the Bible starts to describe what kind of a man uh, Saul was. Uh, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, what did that mean? Okay, well, you know, Benjamin was one of the sons of, of Jacob, and he was the least. And in the tribes of Israel, Benjamin was the very least of, of the tribes, and the family of Kish was the least of that tribe. And so Saul was a, he was a, a, man, a, man, a young man that herded uh, cattle, as we'll see here in just a little bit, a shepherd, but he was the lowest of the low. That's who God's choosing to exalt among all of his nations. God's choosing uh, someone who's, who's humble. And so he chooses this family of, of, of Benjamin uh, and Saul to be his king. He was a choice young man, we see in verse 2. He was a goodly, or in other words, we also see this, this kind of a, of a thing when we, when we go forward in the book of 1 Samuel and we see David. 
but he was of good appearance, okay? We might not say it the exact way that the KJV English says it. There was not a goodlier person than he. We might say it, there was nobody that looked better than he did. And, 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 uh, and this, is, this, this was a young man that if you looked at him, you would say he was of king quality. He, he, he looked like a king. In verse 2 it says, From his shoulders and upward he was higher than any of the people. So he, just looking at him, he, he exuded confidence just by his stature. And he was, he was taller than any of the other people. History tells us in Josephus there that he was a little under seven foot tall. Okay, So I'm six foot two. He was much taller than me. So he'd probably be about head and shoulders above me. Um, so that's, that's how tall he was. So you, if you think about that going forward, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but he was the man that should have fought Goliath. Now, Goliath was almost 10 feet tall, okay? So it w still was not an easy match. But of all the children of Israel, Saul should have been the guy. Saul should have been the one to, to go out and fight and trust the Lord. But he was, he, at this time, when God chose him, he was an obedient man. We're going to see that in just a second in verse 3. Uh, how he took care of his father's flocks, and even as they go missing here, we'll see that in just a second, he's the one that is obedient to his father. He was faithful. He was a faithful man. And in verse 5, as we'll see here in just a minute, he cared about his father's well-being. He cared about the feelings of other people. So when God was setting up Saul as a king of Israel, God did not make a mistake. God did not choose wrongly. Uh, God was choosing the best king for Israel. Saul was chosen by God to be the first king of Israel. There was no chance involved in the picking of Saul. God doesn't just roll a dice and say, okay, oh, there's the tribe of Benjamin, now let's roll for... God doesn't do that. God in his providence knew who would be best for, for his people, and he orchestrated divine circumstances to get Saul from where he was in the fields to the man of God to be anointed. And tonight, I want to I wanna declare to you, God never chooses mistakenly when putting divine circumstances in your life. When God says, you know, this is what I'm going to allow in your life, he doesn't roll a dice with your life. He always chooses to allow something. We look back and we say, how does God do that? God always chooses best. We see it in the life of Job. You read through the book of Job and you say, well, was, it, was God bartering with Satan? No, God doesn't barter with Satan. God allows Satan to do certain things. He allow, any power that Satan has, God allowed him to have it for a time. But God was not bartering with him. God was allowing circumstances to be put into Job's life to draw him closer to himself. And uh, to the point where... Job was able to say, though the Lord slay me, I will trust in him. I'm, I'm, my trust is going to be in him. So there's some divine circumstances that we're going to see here just in these short verses that God put before Saul to get him where he needs to be. And as we go through just a couple different things, these are not all the different circumstances that he could put in your life, but possibly some, and even circumstances in your life right now that Maybe you wouldn't share with anybody else. Maybe there's a situation in your life 
that's causing real hurt or tearing you up. But God wants to show you that every single one of those tonight is being put there for your good or for that person's good. And uh, we'll see that here in these verses. Let's look at verse 3. We're going to see that God directs through loss. God directs through loss. Verse 3 says, And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul his son, Take now one of the, one of the servants with thee, and arise and go seek the asses. Uh, Kish, fa- uh, uh, Saul's father, loses these three asses, these, these three donkeys uh, get lost. I was on the phone with Cody this morning, uh, sorry, this afternoon, and uh, yeah, he, he had to get off the phone because he had three runaway sheep. I'm like, oh, okay, I won't stop you. And so it happens. It happens to farmers. But he had three runaway sheep that, that his wife told him about. And, uh, it's, it, and, and, and in, in uh, Saul's case, it was, it was donkeys. These had gotten away. It was oftentimes uh, in, in uh, those farmers' lives where they would take their livestock off on, on a hill. They'd let them out to graze. And it was for a time and... Then they would go and gather them up and bring them back in. Well, these three obviously got away by divine providence. It wasn't by chance. It was by divine providence. And that direction through that loss in his father's life, God was able to put Saul exactly where he wanted him. And it led to something unexpected, an unexpected journey. So God can direct through loss but God can also lead through unexpected circumstances. Have you ever had something unexpected come up? A trip that you need to take? A doctor's appointment that because you hurt yourself or something came up? Something unexpected in a family member's life that God's had to lead you into another city or to a funeral or to something else? Can God lead through all that to get you exactly where he wants you to be? It says in verse 4, And he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalashia, but, found that, but they found them not. And they passed through the land of Shalom, and there, and, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. So now God has led him through three, four cities and has landed him right into the land of Joseph. And God's put him there. God took him from his home. And now he's got him on this unexpected journey. And God has put this directly in his life. So God can lead through unexpected, an unexpected journey and unexpected circumstances. Look at verse 5. And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come. And let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. And he said unto him, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. And all that he saith shall uh, saith cometh surely to pass. They're talking about Samuel here. Now let us go thither. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. And God took him on an unexpected journey, and now he's going to, present him with an unexpected encounter with the man of God. God can lead you to maybe an unexpected place in your life, but God will oftentimes bring unexpectedly 
sometimes leaders into your life at a specific point in time to lead you in the way of the Lord. And God was doing that specifically here with Samuel. God wanted to give them, uh, give them his word, and he had them right exactly where he needed them to be, right in the city where Samuel was. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Now there, now there becomes a problem. It says, Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent and in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring the man of God. What have we? And, and he's speaking of oftentimes when they would go to the prophet of God, the man of God, they would, it was custom to present him with an offering and to seek the counsel of the Lord. And here, God directs again. Verse 8. And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that I will give to the man of God and to, and to tell us our way. So if you can imagine this, they're looking around, they have no bread, and the, and the servant digs in his pocket. I don't know if he had pockets in his robe, but he digs in his pocket and he's like, Wait. The provision of a coin, God's provision. And God will often lead, he will often put circumstances in your life where he will provide for a need and show you that it's the right time. And God was speaking to me about this as I was praying about the building today, that God will always provide if it's his timing, if it's his will, God will always direct through his provision. Now, God's not going to provide you $100 so that you can go blow it at the casino or go, or go try to play the lottery or anything like that. That's not, that's not what God's providing you that money for. But he may have a divine purpose for the money. Did you ever think about that? Do you ever think that God has a divine purpose for your money, for your time, for your health? Uh, anything that he gives you, anything that is from above, do you think God has a divine purpose for? I think he does. God wants to divinely direct you with every single circumstance that comes into your life. So whether it comes to strain asses, une unexpected encounters, or the presence of a coin, or even the, the, the absence of a coin in a pocket, God wants to use all of those to unfold his precious and perfect plan in your life. Let's keep reading here, and let's watch now as God unfolds to Samuel this very, this, this very thing about Saul being the one who God wants to anoint. Let's read verses 9 through 16. I'm just going to ask a couple of you to read. Uh, Mr. Milligan, would you read from 9 down to verse 12? And Marty, would you finish us off from 13 to 16? Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, let us go to the seer. He that is now called prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them, and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now, 
For he came today to the city, where there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. Let me just pause right there. When it's talking about the high place, this is not talking about a place like you might read in other uh, parts of the Bible with false gods in it. This is a place where they would go and worship the Lord in this city. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. As soon as ye be come into the city, ye shall straightway find him, before ye go up to the high place. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice. And afterwards they eat that he bid them. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be the captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people as a Christ. Okay. Now, we have to ask ourselves, did God know the future? Yes or no? Yes, he did. Okay. Did God know that Saul was going to mess up and, and sin against him and be disobedient? Yes. But as God has divinely inspired in his word, he gave us these details about Saul to tell us what kind of a man he was. And at this time, even though these people were going up to worship the Lord, what was the state of Israel at this point? Were they receptive towards God? Were they absolutely obedient? No, they wanted what? A king. And God had told them specifically through Samuel, that's not, that's not God's will for you. So they're re rejecting God at this point. And yet we find in verse 16, I'm going to read it again. It says, uh, middle of verse 16, And thou shalt anoint him to be a captain over my people Israel, that he may save. Okay, so God's in the saving business. Uh, may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I, for I have looked upon my people, God didn't forsake his people, amen, because their cry is come unto me. So this tells me a couple things about my God. This tells me that my God, even though he's rejected, will never reject me. Even when I am in sin, even when I am stiff-arming God on an issue, God never rejects me. That's that's, that's, that should cause you not to reject him. That should cause you not to sin against God. When, when God's people are rejecting him at the most you know, important time and wanting a king over the divine king, God still was looking out for their best. And he's like, okay, you want a king? You're sinning against me? I'm going to give you the best king possible that's going to deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. And uh, that's who my God is. So uh, the biggest one point that I can get across to you tonight is God never chooses mistakenly when putting divine circumstances in your life. God always chooses best. 